Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. As you take a seat, we're going to be going over to Matthew chapter 10. And um, this is... Um, this is kind of the, the uh, last uh, little message I want to bring on talking about uh, Jesus' prophetic announcement and declaration and, and literally his uh, command and marching orders to us. He first gave it to his disciples, but it's to everyone who believes thereafter is that he would make us fishers of men. And so we've been talking about that a little bit because um, it's, it's important for us to understand that when you become a Christ follower, that it's not just about getting you to heaven and that uh, it's really... Uh, getting you in a position to be partaking and participating in what Jesus is doing now on the earth with advancing his kingdom. And at the very end of that, then we get to go to heaven. <laughs> and that is good. Or if Jesus returns before that time, we leave this body. So I've been kind of going through, and uh, just so you know, I love studying history. I love church history. I love revival history and all of that kind of thing. Last week, I mentioned a, uh, a little factoid that I had, I had gotten out of a uh, out of a book uh, called the Book of Yasser, and he's kind of like uh, Josephus and that kind of thing. And I just wanted to clarify, not equating those extra biblical books with any uh, of the same authority of Scripture, just using them for frames of references. Uh, it's amazing to see that as we progress and science progresses and all of that, it's not that science is proving the Bible to be less and less true. It's, oh my, oh my dear friend, it's just the opposite. That the more our scientific uh, prowess increases, uh, and if you want to do a, a, a true study on a truthful study and not just the, um, uh, the fake uh, identity of what science tries to be anti-scriptural and anti-biblical with some, sometimes, but if you look, it's just that they prove the veracity and the, and the um, uh, authenticity of the scriptures over and over again. And I love that kind of stuff. But today, I'm going to dive into a topic that's, I will tell you right now, I don't have all the answers on this. I don't think anybody does, but I believe it 100%. And I think it sets the bar for where the church needs to be pushing into. I don't want to talk to the, the, to, to the whole concept of the, of the place of signs and wonders and miracles in the modern-day church. Jesus is the one who introduced that within his ministry. As a matter of fact, the first thing he did publicly as he stepped into public ministry was at the wedding at the Canaan, uh, and where he turned the water into wine. And then his whole ministry from that, on, from that point on was just basically he went from prayer meeting to prayer meeting and doing miracles in between. That's kind of what Jesus' ministry was like. And over Matthew 10, what we're going to be reading today, it's, it's, a, it's not just an admonition. It was really the releasing of his disciples into this miraculous type uh, of operating in the supernatural realm, in the miraculous realm. And I'll put some context to it because it was specific. Jesus was specific on what they were supposed to do and where this was going to operate and who it was going to operate in. But it was really releasing this into the world, that this whole concept and idea of the kingdom drawing near. So, um, 
over in Matthew chapter 10, where are we at? Chapter 10, verse 1, it says that when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. And he goes on, names the 12 disciples, gives them some other uh, information. But I want to jump over to verse 8 and, or verse 7. And he said, and as you go, preach the kingdom, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. And then I believe he interjected something that we need to uh, come to grips with within our life today as we follow Christ. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, there's a whole lot of information that I left out there, but I just am going to kind of fly at 30,000 feet this morning on this. Um, what I want to talk about to you today is Jesus' invitation to you for power. You see, I think probably the greatest lack in the, North, in the Western church in North America and, and, and in the Western cultures of the world, we've got, we've got a lot of things down really good. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, we build the greatest buildings in the world. We organize better than probably 99% of uh, of uh, the rest of the world. We're able to structure. We're able to put things in place. We're able to uh, raise funds that are the envy of the world. As a matter of fact, when people come to me and they get down on America, and I understand America's got a lot of problems. The world has a lot of problems. Um, but we're the light and the salt, right? Uh, you don't go to the mountains and hide. You don't dig a hole and get, no, you stand and you, you embrace the culture with the love and the power of God. That's what we're called to do. Um, but one thing that the Western church, I believe, has lacked, and, and I don't have the full answers of it. I'm going to share some of the things from my heart today about this, is that uh, we need more of the outward demonstration of the power of God in what we look at and in, in the way that we uh, operate within our society. Number one, in the way that we operate amongst our, our, our own gatherings. I guarantee you, if we were to sit down and have heart-to-heart conversations throughout this building, we would find that probably over half, the majority, therefore, are in a place where they need something of a miraculous intervention from God into your, into your life in some way, limiting it just physical healing or anything, but just that, that you're facing things that unless God shows up and helps, you're not sure how you're going to get through it. Uh, you need the power of God. Every church does. Uh, we, because of our church being on the corner and we're visible in the city, and thank God for that. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. But we, we have people that will contact us through sometimes relationships in the church, other times just because they know the church here in the corner. And um, a lot of times those are for, I think there was a funeral here this week. There's going to be another funeral uh, coming up. And they're not really connected. They're not from this body, but it's just they're using the facility. And that affords us opportunities to just minister, to love um, our team and our staff, uh, interfaces with them and things. But some of those, you just hear tragic, tragic stories. And I'm amazed that in the middle of that, when seemingly we are at loss for words and ways to talk and bring comfort and bring understanding to it, yet the Holy Spirit operates in ways when it's all done. People say, thank you so much. It, me- it meant so much. And it's not just about, oh, they were able to use a building. Something in line. They were brought into contact with the presence, reality, and the power of God. And that's more than just us. That's the Holy Spirit operating through us. But how many believe, I want, we, want, we need more of that. Amen. We need that not just in our service, in our church. We need it in our lives. So Jesus, uh, a couple of things I want to just look at in this, in this um, time when Jesus was releasing his disciples into this ministry of power. First, in verse 1, it says, and when he called his 12 disciples to him, Jesus summoned them. This invitation was really, it's, it's a word that, um, that we would translate into more than invite. It would be a summons. How many knows what, that, what a summons is? A summons isn't just, um, oh, you're invited if you can make it. <laughs> no, a summons is, 
you're going to show up and you're going to change your circumstances and your schedule, uh, whatever it takes so that you can be here. That's what Jesus was doing to his disciples. He wasn't like, hey guys, let's get together and, you know, have a snack or have lunch. And I want to talk to you about a few things. No, Jesus said, I need y'all to show up. What we're getting ready to do here and everything Jesus did was critically important and all of that. But here he called his 12 disciples to him. Whenever we talk about this whole realm of power, you know, um, in that whole study of church history and all of that, I mean, it's, I, I love looking at it, but you can look through even the history of America and you will find that there were, there were particular times in our nation when God raised up individuals and ministry types that literally went from border to border in our country and, and the miracle hand of God, you know, the Oral Roberts types, the Crusades and the Catherine Kuhlman types and, and all, and there, there are so many that you can mention here. And uh, the A.A. Allens and Wigglesworth and all of those. I read their stories, their biographies, their autobiographies, and I look and I say, God, just like e- e- Elisha was saying when he received the mantle about El- from Elijah, and he said, where is the God of Elijah? And it's like, God, where are those things that you were doing in the tents of the 50s? Where is it? Uh, the, the thing when uh, uh, Ms. Kuhlman would, would, would pack out the stadiums in uh, she visited Portland and Seattle frequently within her ministry. There are still historic, there are still people that were in those meetings that received touches from God, still alive today. And um, this is something that Jesus initiated. Why? Because it's not just that people are hungry for miracles. There were those that came to Jesus and said, we want a sign. And he said, yeah, you know, I'm not going to just give you a sign or do a miracle to make you feel good. But there is a reason why power and the church need to be connected. That is heaven's power and the church need to be connected intimately to one another. So Jesus has summoned them. He invited them. He called them to himself. Listen, if you think you're going to get a ministry of power aside from Jesus being the source of the power, you're messed up. That's not what it's about. It's for you to build a name or for church to build a, um, you know, a ministry or anything like that. And I'm not here to get down on people or ministries that have maybe taken that approach in the past. All I'm saying that from here forward, if there's any power, we need, we need to know where the source comes from, right? It comes from Jesus and from him alone. That's what he was, that's what he was really demonstrating here and bringing his disciples to him. His disciples, they were really, they were, you know, they were a lot of kind of misfits. You know, they, some were businessmen, others were tax collectors, others were, you know, some of them were uneducated, others were educated in the law and all, all kinds of things. But Jesus, when they came around him, he released what they needed to have in them that was not from them at all. And it's still that way today. I think a lot of times people misunderstand and misrepresent what the power of God and the church really is. Some believe, and there's a whole segment in the, in the body of Christ that believe those kind of things stopped when the last apostle died. We don't believe that. We're not cessationists within our, within our doctrine or our, our theology. We, I believe that, those, uh, that that power manifestation of the kingdom of heaven will be clear up until the end when Jesus returns and, and, and the kingdom age is, is brought in. Until that time, they're still to be a part. And as a matter of fact, let me just have a show of hands. How many have ever experienced something that you would call or testify to that it was miraculous that God did in your life? That is a majority of people here. Now, that's just anecdotal. That's personal experience. But you know your experience. You're willing to testify to it. I believe that's, uh, that's powerful evidence that the Holy Spirit is still doing marvelous and miraculous things. I've had God do several significant miracles in my life that had he not done them, I would literally look different in my physical appearance today standing before you had God not done things in my life in a miraculous way. I'm not going to enumerate those or go into those. Um, uh, right now, sometimes I'll probably uh, share some testimonies from time to time. But um, Mike's brother, David, we used to play racquetball together. Uh, and uh, David was a fantastic racquetball player. won't get into all that, but I was front court. He was back court. I turned around. And back then, I thought, you remember see the little Superman guy? 
He's got the goggles on. Well, I thought I was Superman, but I didn't need the goggles. Yeah. And uh, Pastor Dave hit a cross shot, hit me uh, in the right eye, and literally my eye just exploded and drained out on the racquetball court. They scooped me up, took me to the eye doctor, and he took one look at me and said, you need to have goggles on. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I know. Yeah. Detached my retina, went blind. The smallest muscle in your body is called a sphincter muscle. It controls the pupil of your eye. That tore loose. He said, there's no way we can fix that. So my pupil was fully dilated. And um, I would look in the mirror and I would go, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to you know, do uh, the dark glasses thing or whatever. But um, anyway, long story short, about a week later, got back to life, just kind of assuming that's the way it was going to be. I was out on a golf course at Aptos Seascape on a three-par on a brilliant, sunny, beautiful day, much like here, playing with one of the leaders of the church. He was intimately aware of what was going on. I'd received prayer from the elders. They'd annoyed me. We'd done all that and just kept believing and, you know, just starting to move on with life. You know, God is Jehovah Sneaky. He will just show up and surprise you. And I think he does that to just keep us from getting to where we, we put God in this, oh, man, we just know how to do ABC and it just happens. It doesn't work like that at all. But as my friend was teeing off, I'm standing there. And because of the way my eye was, I, it was dark. I couldn't focus. I just had the other eye. And all of a sudden, my, uh, and my, and I had to have glasses on. My pupil was fully open. What sight I did have, it was so bright, the light was painful. And all of a sudden, I had perfect vision. like, what in the world? I lifted my glasses and I could see perfectly. I said, Floyd, get over here. I got to do something. And my pupil would not do that to the sunlight. I said, look at this eye. And I would do that. And I said, is it moving? And he started jumping up and down. He threw his golf club. He goes, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. At that moment, God healed me completely, totally in that eye. I went a few days later, whatever, made an appointment, went to the optometrist or ophthalmologist, whatever doctor is, the medical one in the eye. Uh, they took pictures of my eye, came back, and honest to goodness, he, he thought it was my other eye because this eye showed no damage. It was perfect. And I said, no, doctor, it's not the left eye. It was the right eye. And he goes, and he literally was speechless. He was literally speechless. He looked at it. He put the light thing on, examined again. And he goes, well, I guess whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. <laughs> I said, I will. Uh, that's just one of a number. I thank God that the power is still available in the church today. But it wasn't me. It wasn't a prayer. It wasn't evangelist. It wasn't healing this. It wasn't that. It was, it was we did all the things that the scripture says to do. But God just sovereignly. He's a sovereign God. I don't have the answers why some get it and why others don't. That's not my point here today. I don't have the answers to that. But I do know this. That we're still to contend for it. I believe that with every fiber of my being, that we as the church, we as the body of believers, the people of faith, we're still to contend for it. So Jesus called his disciples towards himself. Um, this word is, is um, this, this summons, this invitation. It's, you know, over in Acts 540, you don't need to turn there, but here it says that the authorities called for the apostles and they said, don't, you got to stop preaching the gospel. And they beat them and let them go. That's this word. The authorities called for the apostles. They summoned them. That's what Jesus was doing with his disciples. Over in James 5.14, it says, if anyone is sick, <clears throat> let them call for the elders of the church. It's that same word. Let them summon spiritual people, the elders, the leaders of the church, and have them pray and anoint with oil and pray the prayer of faith. You know the rest of that verse, that the Lord will forgive sin and heal, heal the sick. This was something, the whole point that I'm trying to make here, 
is that this wasn't an optional thing in Jesus' mind, I don't believe. This wasn't something like, hey, if you guys can can make it, yeah, if you feel like you're interested in this ministry that I'm going to delegate to you. No, he wanted all 12 disciples to be there. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. And um, understanding this type of invitation is key. It's not a request to see if you can. It's a command that will comply with it. One of my heroes of the faith um, who passed away a decade or so ago, John Wimber of the of the Vineyard. He he was the father of the Vineyard movement, and he wrote a book, and uh, and and kind of built um, a, a teaching around what he called power evangelism. And I went to a number of those meetings where he would do that. And and basically, the whole premise of it is that God will use His power uh, moving through the church and demonstrating that He's still God to evangelize the world. I still believe that today. That's why I want to talk to you about this and this whole invitation. I'll make you fishers of men. This, this, this whole thing of Jesus um, where we looked in Isaiah, Lord, here I am. You know, put a coal of fire on my lips and uh, send me, Lord. Uh, here we're finishing up today where he's calling his disciples and he's bringing them and he's releasing power onto them. In verse 1, Jesus is the source. He called his disciples. I believe it still operates the same way. He's the source. There are those that have gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, gifts of faith, gifts of giving. There are all kinds of gifts. The Holy Spirit is the one who administers those gifts. But I believe that the church in general is called to live a life demonstrating the power of God over the power of darkness in the day that we live in. Amen. We're all going to die if Jesus tarries. We're all going to die someday of something, somehow, some way. Some younger, some older. That's in the hands of the Lord. But um, the point is, oh, we're going to try to take authority and command death to not operate in our, in our lives. I, that's just a part of, of living and growing older and all of that. But in the process of the journey, we look for his power to be demonstrated in the influences of our life. And here's the point that I want to bring out is that the church, I believe, has done a disservice in that we've delegated or relegated this to the professional ministries. That is those that are pastors or those that are on staff or those that are the evangelists that travel and they have healing ministry. And and those are valid and those are good. But it's my particular belief that every member of the body of Christ has access to this type of power. And it's when we motivate and release and deputize all the body of Christ to be operating in this, that's whenever you see the impact of it. And I'll explain as we go on. It says that Jesus, then in verse 1, he called his disciples, he summoned them, and he gave them power over unclean spirits. This is different. If you look up, and I'm not going to do the the Greek language and study here, but I will uh, reference it in this point. This power, this word that he's using here, power, is different than the word that's used for power in Acts 2 when it says, go tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. That power that he was talking about then was specifically when the Holy Spirit would be released upon the church, happened on the day of Pentecost. And that word is the word dunamis. That is a dynamite, it's an explosive type of power. That's the power. And we, it's very easy to see that and understand that. And because of the lack of our English language, I guess, is the best way to put it, it's very easy to think, well, that's the same power, that he, that's the same word he's using here, same power. It's not the same word. They tie together. You have to have them connected. And I think that this is some of the um, uh, part where it, it, it needs to be talked about. And that is that absolutely we need to have the dunamis power of God. But there's a, a two parts of this. He gave them power. This this uh, uh, word translates out, he gave them, it translates out as ability or capacity. This is the part that I like. It, it translates out as permission. I like this one. He gave them jurisdiction is another way it translates out. So what Jesus was doing, he was bringing them together and he was giving them permission. And they didn't realize it at this point. He was giving them permission to operate in the dunamis. So where that comes down to is that you have been given permission to operate in the power of God. 
Every one of us have been. Through that virtue that we come in and we say yes to Jesus Christ. We say yes to his authority over our lives. We say yes, he's forgiven us. He's washed us, uh, uh, our sins away. He's made the old pass away and all things become new. He's given us permission. And actually, he's given us the capacity and the ability. He's given us the jurisdiction. And he's given us the command. It is Jesus' will that we operate and, dis- and, and, and dis- distribute this type of power. That's what the New Testament church was all about. So you go into the book of Acts those first few chapters in particular, and then into the middle portions of Acts, and you see that all manner of things what was, uh, was happening in the miraculous and power manifestation of the kingdom of God. I believe that still needs to be operating in the church today. I think that is one of the things, if you've been on, on mission fields or in, you know, they used to call them third world countries, but you go to these places where they don't have the medical facilities that they do here. The, the, um, there isn't a safety net, if you will, under the population as a whole for medical care and access. And there it seems that sometimes you go in and the power of God is so manifest, it is so present, and miracles become not commonplace. But they, it's the, those that aren't in the church know that if they get in trouble, they go to the church, the little place down there where those people are praying and calling out on God and doing that type of lifestyle. They take their sick there, and uh, many of them are healed and restored and raised up, and you hear the miracles over and over again. Why is that? I think it's simply because they don't have any other thing to fall back on except faith and the kingdom. And they become greatly uh, they they become greatly used in that realm of power and authority. We used to go into Haiti quite often, and I remember going down there and doing the same thing that we would do in America. And yet, when we did it in Haiti, it was incredible. The not the faith of us, but the faith of them. And that's what I was. That's what I finally kind of came away with. God, what? needs to happen to us in America where our faith level becomes simple to where we just know, God, you said it, I believe it, I don't understand it all, but I'm going to uh, stand in this regard and I'm going to believe you for it. So he gave them the jurisdiction, he gave them capacity and the permission, and this is what he gave them permission over, three areas, I'm going to begin to uh, wrap it up right here. Uh, he said, I'm going to, you're going to have power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. This, this uh, power over them, this, this um, ability to be above or in authority over them, unclean spirits. I, I think that uh, one of the things the devil loves doing in Western societies that is a really great trick of his is tries to bring it into where people don't believe in the supernatural realm and that there are still demons and angels operating in the world today. <clears throat> They're still real. I don't know if we would call them more sophisticated in the Western uh, society. I think that a lot of things that are in our psychological uh, units all across the country, I, yeah, I, their mental illness is real. It is, it, is, it is prevalent. But there's also the reality of demonic forces that operate in people's lives. I think the explosion of the homeless population is it's a social tragedy and all of that and financial things are in play. But I think a lot of it, when you get right down in it, there are demonic forces operating in those places. Amen. I remember when I was first pastoring in Portland, um, I went to Damish uh, Mental Hospital over in Oregon. A family in the church, their daughter was in there. And, you know, I went to this little Bible uh, school and, and um, you know, didn't know anything of this kind of thing. But I went for the family's sake to visit their daughter in Damish. And I remember walking in and you had to go through the check, uh, check-in process. And there was, an, I believe it was an Episcopalian uh, chaplain there. He had the collar and all of that thing. And anyway, he kind of figured out. I kept going in there every week, few weeks. And I went in once, and, and uh, he, he said, would you, would you follow me? Uh, and I'm like, sure. Um, I didn't realize at that moment he was the chaplain, but he took me down this hall, and we went in his office. 
And he just began to talk to me. And he said, I see you're coming and you're visiting. And I said, yes, that family and, and that kind of thing. And, um, and he, he said, what do you feel when you come in here? And I'm going to tell you, 23 years, what I felt was afraid. <laughs> uh, but if you remember that building, I don't think it's there anymore. But it was long, long building with this real steep, you know, kind of this kind of, but it was tile and it was very um, old European kind of looking thing. And it had these little statues in various places placed on the building. And he, he just, I think by virtue that he didn't have anybody else to talk to, he just started kind of pouring out his heart a little bit. And he said, I sit in here at times, and he said, I see them sitting on the, on the peak of the roof. And I didn't know what the them were that he was talking about. I'm thinking, what, birds or what do, what do we got going here? And, uh, and then he began to explain. He said, there are times, he said, I see demons, and they sit on the top of this building. It freaked me out. They didn't tell me about that. They didn't say you're going to go in where the demons are going to be on top of the roof. They didn't talk to me about that when I signed up for this thing. And, uh, uh, but I remember listening. I remember it did something. In me. It made me realize, oh, unless God, unless God shows up, there's, I, I, have, I have no ability to, to deal with. He had no ability to deal with. And we, we developed somewhat of a friendship over the, over the months and the time that we had there. But God used that to introduce me into this realm to where I realized, God, I need your power. I, ca- I can't fix anything. I can't fix a hangnail, God. But I need your power. Jesus knew that, and so he gave him. And he gave them authority over these three errors, over the demonic realm. I believe that there are, are principalities and powers that are being in, uh, from the dark kingdom that are trying to influence our nation today. And the only defense for that is not politics. It's the church. We've got to start praying. We've got to start calling out and believing and asking God. The second one he said to, to heal. This, um, this um, healing is this therapeuo, to serve as an attendant with a purpose to treat, cure, heal. He said, I'm going to give you power to cast them out, and I'm going to give you power to heal all kinds of sicknesses. Now, it wasn't that they had the power. He was just releasing the power through them, all kinds of sicknesses. This is just kind of the regular broad word for sickness, this malady. He said that in my kingdom, my people are going to be able to be operating and, 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 and bringing effective treatments, if you will, from the supernatural realm with all kinds of sicknesses. The next one he said, and all kinds of diseases, these infirmities, these debilities, these weaknesses, whether they be birth defects or things that have happened in people's life where they're, instead of a virus or a bacteria or something like that, there's just some kind of weakness in them that has been present there. Jesus gave them authority to deal with that, the lame and that kind of thing. What was the result of this ministry going out? And another interesting thing is he went through, and I don't have time to deal with this, but he said, right now I want you to go to the house of Israel. Now, later on, he released it into the Gentile world. But right now, it was kind of like he was giving Israel this chance, the, the children, to come in and, and be part of this. And um, uh, this whole process of heaven releasing its power and authority comes down to this part where I'm going to end up. Over in verse 7, he said, as you go, I want you to preach saying this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I believe this is one of the primary keys of having power operate in the church, is that it's not the church, it's heaven. It's not our kingdom, it's his kingdom. We're not bringing you into a prayer team, we're bringing you to the throne, to where uh, God is, his authority is, is present there. And I would, I would love to take at times, and I've been around some of you enough to, I've heard some of your testimonies out on the job site and other things of where uh, you, they, they, they have testimonies of how God operated and healed and deliverance and healing and the supernatural. The supernatural principles released here is that the kingdom has drawn near, is what he's saying. The kingdom is drawn near, the king, and that the kingdom power is greater than the powers of darkness in the world. That's the primary principle, is that the kingdom is drawn near. Jesus brought it with him. He really is still near to us now. It's nearer than we first believed, that he's in us and not just on us now through the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is drawn near, and we're his ambassadors to distribute kingdom power and authority in the world that we live in over sickness, over uncleanness, demonic, over death, and over demons. 
Supernatural principles released here. What you've received freely, you freely give away. Here's where I'm going to end up. I think that one of the breakdowns in this whole thing is that we've not set system in place to freely give it away. Um, there's a great ministry. It's, it originated with John G. Lake uh, many, many decades ago called Healing Rooms. And uh, they're kind of based out of Spokane. And I'm just thrown out. Um, maybe, maybe someone will, will get that burden. But uh, to where the church has times and places specifically to pray for people who need healing. And um, we've done them in, in another church that, that we did. And, 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 and I noticed something is that when the healing rooms are established and people are coming to that place for that reason, we saw a whole lot more happening than we did just on, say, Sunday morning. So one of the things I'm praying and believing for is this. I'm going to give some practical things to this. I'm not saying we're in an open healing room, but we're, we, we're, we're going to believe and have opportunities for people to come for specifically to receive prayer for miracles and power and power encounters with God. I, I'm looking at Wednesday nights as um, doing a couple things. I've been praying, and people have asked, when are we going to have Wednesday night? When are we going to have Wednesday night? Well, um, it's real easy to start it, but I'm saying, God, I need, I need to know your heart in this, not just to do it because we need something else to do. I don't know about you, but I don't need many other things to do <laughs> uh, for the sake of doing. But I felt this Holy Spirit quicken this to me. On Wednesday nights, make it a time of prayer, of intercession, of course, but also specifically that we pray for those that need to have encounters with the power of God, miracles. We have communion, that kind of thing. Uh, they're present. And here's how we staff it, if you will. Here's how it happens. If you've ever had an encounter with God where you received a miracle, and most of you lifted your hand when I asked that question. There's a reason I asked that question. It was so that you said yes, and you didn't know you were saying yes. That's, that's the whole thing. <laughs> no, if you've had that happen in your life at some point, and you can, I want you to come to be one of those that pray for people that have needs. Because you can give away what you've received in your life. You've had the experience, which means you can give it away to somebody else that needs the experience. This isn't about top-down, oh, man, Pastor Gary and a few super spiritual, they're going to be, no, this is going to be, hey, the oil's there, these people need, and you need to get over there and that's what I'm believing the Lord has kind of laid on my heart for Wednesday nights. We'll give it a shot, see, see how life is breathed into that. But it's releasing you to do it. Uh, let's stand. John Wimber used to say this. And this is his testimony, not mine, so I'm just giving it. He said he prayed as best he could understand. He prayed for a 1,000 people before he saw the first, what he considered was a miracle. His whole point in that was, you just got to start praying. Take somebody by the hand today. Lord, we pray today. We have received freely from you. We have received freely from heaven. We have received freely from the hand of God. And Lord, we want to give it freely now to those that have needs. Lord, I pray that you would begin to release this church and this people into another season of incredible power and effectiveness and seeing miracles become commonplace. Not so we can say we, know we have miracles, but God, so we can see those that are that captive being set free. We can see the brokenhearted healed. We can see those that need deliverance delivered. God, we believe that that's your heart and that's your will. So we pray for that in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would quicken in the heart of every person in this room something in the supernatural realm of faith to where it would catch fire within them. And like Jeremiah said, there's been like a fire shut up in my bones. I can't contain it. Lord, it would begin to burn on the inside and then break out on the outside. If you're here this morning and you never accepted Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity. So I dismissed the service. If you want to come to Christ today, I'm going to be standing down here. I want you to come right up to me. I want to talk to you and pray with you about that. If you're here, maybe you've been away from God. 
and you're ready to come back, I want you to come and talk to me too. If you're here this morning and you need a miracle, you need an encounter with the power of God, there'll be some people down here and they will pray with you. You need to come and let them lay hands on you and believe the Lord for you. But uh, I'm going to dismiss the service. Lord, I release them into the blessing of God today. As Randy shared about, about the offering today, Lord, I'm going to release them to where the devourer is broken off of their lives in every level, not just finances, but in any, any area that the devourer wants to consume your people and other people's lives. We release them into the power of God. That, Lord, this week, something's going to break forth within our lives where we come in, uh, intimately acquainted in a greater way with the power of God and being channels to bring it into people's lives. Lord, we release that and bless the people. And everybody said amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday. If you need prayer, please make your way down. We still have a few minutes in here. Please come on down and we'll pray for you, pray with you, and believe the Lord.